What up, world? It's your past first point guard, Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Though wherever you get podcasts, and now also on YouTube. If you're listening to the show now or watching it on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. We're trying to grow the uh, grow the community there, trying to get to 2,000 subscribers. We didn't make it by 2022, but we're still pushing towards it. So if you're listening now, either as a podcast listener or on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe, support the show. I would truly appreciate it. In today's show, we're talking about a Blazers win. Y'all remember those? A Blazers win, a real life win. And Anthony Simons had a career night as the Blazers beat the Hawks at home, snapping a four-game losing streak in the game with no Damian Lord, no CJ McCollum. And another young guard goes nuts, or another another guard under six foot four goes nuts. We'll talk about Ambry Simon's night. It was a special night for him, coming shortly after uh, learning on Sunday that his grandfather had passed away. And he spoke at length post game about sort of uh, his relationship with his grandfather and and what it meant to him to perform like he did uh, on Monday evening. So that's what we'll do. But first, let's get into it like we usually do at this time with the fastest recap in the West. The Blazers win one thirty six one thirty one in a defense optional straight up entertaining game the Blazers won a game that was straight up fun it feels like it's been a long time since that happened Portland led 36-32 after one they led this game nine nothing came out of the gates hot and uh pretty much led for the entire first half uh the the Hawks briefly had a lead but like this was the Portland unlike so many rough starts early was in control early in this one Norman Powell 10 points in the first quarter Anthony Simons 11 Trey Young 16 the Blazers hit eight threes in the first quarter it was going there were going to be a lot of points and we knew it early Blazers led seven 65 at the half led by as many as 13 points in in that uh, in that second quarter but the Hawks closed the closed the quarter strong they're down 10 and scored five points in the final minute Trey Young at the half had 29 and 19 Ant and Norm had 17 apiece uh, Hawks took the lead heading into the fourth quarter 105-100 because Trey Young had 41 and 14 after three but Anthony Simons had 18 points in the third quarter was just phenomenal in the third had Already had a career-high 35 heading into the fourth, and the Blazers were down five. But Portland came roaring back in the fourth quarter, outscoring Atlanta 36-26. The Hawks started really slow with uh, Trey Young on the bench to open the fourth quarter, and the Blazers took the lead with a, had it had a uh, eight point lead with about three minutes left and held on from there they had the ball up two with 47 seconds left a crucial possession Chauncey Billups calls a timeout 47.1 on the clock draws up an ATO and they run a high pick and roll on the uh, on the left side between Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic with some dummy action to occupy the defenders with Norman Powell coming off two screens an action they run those those two screens away they run pretty often but it was actually just to set up an empty side pick and roll Nurk. The, the two defenders go to Ant because he's going off at this point as as 38. Uh, two defenders go to Ant. He makes the right pass to Nurk. Nurk scores, gets fouled, and one. That's right. Yusuf Nurk hits to and one. Blazers go up five with 42 seconds left, and they hold on from there. 136-131. That's your fastest recap in the West. Anthony Simons. A career high, 43 points to go with seven board, seven assists, three boards uh, in 39 minutes. He was 13 of 21 from the floor, 9 of 16 from three. Becomes the youngest Blazer in franchise history to have a 40-point game phenomenal night but he didn't do it alone Norman Powell 26 like I said 17 in the first half for Norman Powell Yusuf Nurkic 21 points 12 rebounds 5 assists uh, a really nice night from from Yusuf Nurkic back out of the health and safety protocols um, Nazir Little 22 points 9 boards uh, I thought Nas had a really nice game really really nice game from him um, 
you know, he hit four threes. That's what really stands out when you watch it. But I thought his, um, I thought his just his athleticism on the glass and 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 getting himself two feet in the paint when they put early when they put Trey Young on him and then uh, late when they had uh, TLC and and uh, and uh, Kevin Herter on him. Like he he did a, he did a good job of taking advantage when he had a physical mismatch. Uh, Nurk wasn't the only one out of the health and safety protocols. Robert Covington also returned. He went had four points and four steals in twenty four minutes. Uh, the Blazers needed Ant to have forty three. They needed, they needed every last bit of it because on the other side, Trey Young finished with just an absolute kind of, just a kind of a bonkers night from Trey Young. 56 points, 14 assists, 7 of 16, or excuse me, 17 of 26 from the floor, 7 of 12 from three, hit all 15 of his free throws. Um, the Hawks lost this game by five and Trey Young was plus 10. <laughs> In his 37 minutes. So in the nine minutes that, excuse me, the 11 minutes that a little over, a little like 10 and some change that Trey Young sat, the Hawks were outscored by 15 points. This was the, this was the trailless minutes. Like the Blazers had no answer for Trey Young. Their answer for Trey Young was to go get buckets with Anthony Simons. Um, this was this was just this was Ant's night. You know, his first two shots did not hit the did not hit the rim. Like clean, clean, clean swishes. Um, and this comes on the heels of Simons having, according to John Schumann of NBA.com, who, who drew up this stat, the lowest effective field goal percentage of anyone who shot at least 75 shots in the month of December. A, like, really bad December. And then he comes out with a career night. His career high prior to this was, was 28. He gets that early in the third quarter, finishes with 43. If this game had gone to overtime, he would have had a 50-piece to match Trey Young's 50-piece. A dueling a dueling point guard night um, with, with Young and Simons. Um, I, I don't think this was Simons like at his highest level of a point guard, but this was as like a guy who could really go score. The kind of guy that we you see glimpses of, and this is, was who Ant was. But the, what made this night special was what Ant shared with uh, first Brooke Olsendam on the Blazers broadcast, and then uh, later when he spoke to reporters in the sort of press conference setting that they do after games, that his maternal grandfather passed away on Saturday. Um, he he learned the news at around noon on, or excuse me, on Sunday. And on he learned the news around noon on Sunday. And he said in many ways, he felt like, his grandfather, Papa, was was there with him tonight in his career nights, and it kind of helped him um, get into a headspace that allowed him to just focus on playing basketball. And and Simons was was um, I don't know if kind is the right word, but mature enough to and 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 willing and open enough to share his relationship with his grandfather with reporters after the game. So that's what I want to do with you in the second segment is um, give you a little insight into to to what. Um, what Ant shared with reporters and what Ant said about his about his grandfather and his night and how how special that was. That's what we'll do in the second segment. Before we get there, though, I got to tell you all about Truebill. It's the app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, that you don't want, or that you simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year when they're using Truebill, and that's because companies are making it hard to cancel subscriptions. They do it intentionally, so Truebill is the app here to make it incredibly simple. You can download Truebill and cancel subscriptions in just one tap, and if it's more than one tap, a Truebill concierge is there to cancel subscriptions so you don't have to. I use Truebill. I went to Lockdown. I went to Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. I downloaded Loaded the app. Um, I, 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 within 
10 minutes, I was looking at all my digital subscriptions right there on my phone. I could decide what I wanted to keep, what I didn't want to keep, um, and just get an eyeball on everything. Just like really, really quickly figure out what, what I'm paying for each month. It was super simple and it can be super simple for you. So start canceling today. Go to truebill.com slash locked on NBA. That's truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Could save you thousands a year. That's truebill.com slash locked on NBA. All right. So Anthony Simons had a career night. And he credits that career night to the spirit of his grandfather, who unfortunately passed away over the weekend. Um, and Simons was fortunate enough to spend the final couple days in Florida with his family. Um, this is kind of, it, it was an interesting or a unique scenario in which allowed Simons to be there with his grandfather and have a couple final moments with someone who was an important part of his, of his life, particularly growing up. Um, Simon's family lives in, in the Orlando area in Florida, outside of Orlando. Uh, and Simon's was, uh, he was here. The Blazers were supposed to play a game in um, in LA on Friday night, and he was supposed to go with the team, but he had tested positive for uh, for COVID on, on Thursday evening, I believe is the timeline. Uh, and after that initial test, he went and tested again on Friday. So he's in the health and safety protocols. He has to be out for, you know, he has to have two negative tests in 48 hours. So like, at a minimum, even if it's a false positive, it's two days, right? Um, and so he tests positive. He then he then he knows he has to be out for um, for a couple of days. So that means he's he's definitely going to miss Friday's game just because of the way the league rules work and then the safety precautions, et cetera, et cetera. You get it. Um, but he tested negative on Friday, which allowed him to get a private plane and fly to Florida and spend time with his family. So he, he gets there on Friday. He gets to spend Friday and Saturday with his uh, grandfather, who he said had um, was was not doing well and had been in the hospital and then had come home and things kind of deteriorated quickly. And he knew he needed to get home. Um, he needed to get home because this is family and it's the time of year that we do spend with family. And it's, you know, it's a it's his maternal grandfather. It's someone who's, a, you know, a good in many typical sort of uh, families, a big part of your life. And for Simon's a really big part of his life. Uh, he said he spent a ton of time with his grandfather as a child. Um, his, it, his grandpa would make sure that he got to the bus stop as an elementary school and middle schooler. And he'd wake up in the morning, like on a typical everyday morning and make him a big breakfast of eggs and bacon and pancakes and sausage. Like, he was he was there as sort of that true caretaker, and if he needed to go to practices, his grandfather would often be the one to drive him to basketball practice, uh, whether that was you know right around the corner at, at the middle school or further away to tournaments and such. And then he said he'd spend a lot of time just you know he'd ride back, they'd they'd spend long car rides together chatting, and then he'd you know hang out with his grandfather at his grandparents' house, and they'd watch TV together and just you know kick it the way that you do when you're a grandson, uh, waiting for his mom or his dad to pick him up and, and to go home when he was younger. It was they had a he said that his grandfather was an incredibly motivating factor just you know as a kid at a young age and was a very special basketball player as as very young and and his grandfather was incredibly motivating uh, what simon said was just in terms of like encouraging him to go chase it to go get it to to follow these dreams and the dreams that he lived out today uh simon said to fly back he, fl he flew back sunday and he said shortly after he landed um his his father called him and told him that his his grandfather had passed uh, and that papa as as aunt called him passed away he said he found out around noon on sunday and he carried this 
heavy heart into Monday's game. He and it's pretty quiet. So he didn't share this news with a bunch of his teammates. In fact, Yusuf Nurkic told us after the game that he didn't know. Uh, uh, Chauncey Billups was aware of it, but I don't think he talked. It didn't seem like he talked a lot with Ant. He said he knew, you know, Ant's leaving town and all that, but they hadn't. he hadn't shared too many of the details. Ant basically said, I had to tell Dame because I didn't know how to rent a plane. So I had to, I had to call Dame and say, hey, I... I need to get a private jet. How do I do this? Um, and and so he was he had kind of explained the situation to to Dame, but and also said I'm an optimist. So I didn't tell my teammates because I'm a, I was optimistic about this kind of thing that I would get to be able to you know see my grandfather again or that this would be, uh, you know not not the the end of his life and not the end of this chapter, but um, you know part sort of part of a larger story unfortunately his his grandfather passed away at, at the age of 79 and it had to come back to work it's the challenge of being an nba player is that the season is just it is relentless and ongoing and so ant came back to work on monday night and he had he had just a the best game of his career the absolute best game that he's ever played um you know there's that the 37 points that he had uh, against uh, against the Kings that the, where he played all 48 minutes or whatever it was, but it wasn't this. It wasn't um, it wasn't 43 when they needed him and when he's playing like a normal normal sort of starters number of minutes in the non 82nd game of the season. This was the best game of Anthony Simon's life, and he said that he felt like in in that his grandfather was there with him on the court. Um, that, that, that so much of this was so much of his performance and so much of the nine three pointers that he makes that he made was, um, was his grandfather there with him. Um, he, he spoke a little bit um, about sort of this, the sanctuary of basketball and, and the catharsis of being able to play sports and say all of this, you know, these challenges are going on in our lives. It's a family tragedy. Um, and you got to go back to work and it's, and it's, challenging but basketball the thing you love and the thing you've been doing and the thing that your grandfather was you know um a big part of you know crafting that your love of that game and and allowing you to pursue that as a kid this was a space where you could just do that for two and a half hours and not have to worry about things and aunt talked about sort of the catharsis and the sanctuary and the and the space that basketball gives athletes and and gave him the space the time the, the the sort of um the the it allowed for him to have these moments that were his and his alone that he could kind of um that he could be Anthony Simons playing basketball and not Anthony Simons an adult dealing with a family tragedy and he channeled that or he was guided by uh you know the 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 spirit and the memory of his grandfather to the best game of his life and and regardless of sort of whatever you might um think about that that uh what he's saying there like this was ant at his absolute peak and this was ant at his absolute peak after a month of being as bad as we've seen him um you know he struggled early on in his career but he wasn't he's being asked to do more in the month of of december and they needed him to be more and they needed him to be to be better and he knew that he'd been struggling like he admitted as much after the game that he's he'd had some really down moments in December just not not playing his best basketball the sh- the stat I shared with you said he's the lowest effective field goal percentage of any high volume shooter in the league um he hadn't been good and they needed him to be better he was um he was struggling and then this this moment happened for him so I'm happy for Ant 
like I'm, I'm frankly, I'm impressed by it, um, to be able to have, have these moments and be able to, to sort of channel that into playing a sport at the highest level. It's what makes professional athletes, um, really impressive and and then to not only to have this game to not only hit nine three-pointers and go 13 of 21 from the floor and have um you know seven assists and two turnovers in 39 minutes while playing on the ball a bunch to have a career high 43 to hit you know to make the right play in the final minute and find Yusuf Nurkic for a layup because you know you're going to get the defensive attention all of that is impressive absolutely but to stand at the podium to sit there in front of a room, it's not like a, you know, there's eight of us or whatever. It's, it's it's a small media contingent. But to stand there with the camera on you and a microphone and to talk candidly, honestly, and openly about your relationship with a recently deceased relative takes a great deal of emotional maturity. So the most impressive part to me for Ant was how he handled the post game. That is a that wasn't a, a man being an, a, like showing what it's like to sort of just be a, be an adult, be a, be an adult with like real emotional maturity um, and, and an openness and a willingness to share a, a struggle because, you know, there's a lot between sort of the like player uh, media member sort of relationship, but the conduit for uh, for you, dear listener, for fans to to appreciate Ant is his ability to to speak to the media openly and honestly about what he's feeling, what he went through in his experience. That's how you learn more about these guys. And so I, I just I can't say enough. I truly applaud and I'm truly impressed with um, the way Ant conducted himself post game. That takes a lot of maturity. Um, and 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 frankly. Um, a maturity that this podcaster would not have um, been interested in mustering and inter- interested in finding. So, um, respect to Anthony Simons, love to his family, and and uh, to um, to all those who knew Papa. And to, you know, it's it's hard to lose someone you love, and it's even harder to talk to a room full of strangers about about why that someone you love is special. So, respect to Anthony Simons. Um, I hope. I hope. You can find some peace, find some comfort in the coming days after a hard, very, very challenging weekend. In the third segment, I want to talk a little more big picture Blazers stuff. Um, uh, trades, you know, Damon Lowe didn't play in this game because he's resting. Uh, we'll, we'll zoom out a little bit and talk about some big picture uh, Blazers stuff that's going to come up in the next couple weeks. So join me there in the third segment. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. We're still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked about Amphrey Simon's career night coming on the heels of a family tragedy. And the Blazers' big 136-131 win over the Atlanta Hawks, snapping a four-game winning streak. Or losing streak, rather. Uh, Blazers got back on track, and Ant was a big reason why. But what I want to do to close the show is talk a little bit about sort of big picture stuff. Like I said at the beginning of this show, Yusuf Nurkic returned and Robert Covington returned uh, to the lineup tonight. Nurk, good basketball player. <laughs> Played pretty well in this game. Uh, the Blazers got a little post-up happy with him in the fourth quarter, and it was weird. He talked about it after the game that it was kind of like they were, he wanted to slow the game down, and he wanted to take like more deliberate possessions because he felt like they were missing jumpers and running. Um, 
I just like straight up do not agree with that <laughs> that approach or that plan. Uh, but I thought it was interesting for Nurk to sort of share that. He was just like, give me the ball. We need to like, we need to make sure we get good shots or we need to make sure that we get sort of like more deliberate offense and don't like rush into rush into taking jumpers. Um, give Ant the ball. He was on fire. It was, like, it was, like, weird. It was a weird stretch. Um, but, but Nurk was good in this game. Like, 12, 12 boards, five assists, um, 21 points. He was, you know, he, um, missed me. <laughs> Please stop taking three pointers. Nurk is over two from three. But, um, if you cut those out as eight of 16 from the floor, like he's, he, he played, he, he had a good game. Um, Cove wasn't as good. Uh, he finished with four points, four boards and four steals. It was one of three over two from threes. Both his threes that he missed were open looks. Um, this isn't sort of about like <laughs> their performances as much as it is about like Trade season has begun in the league. The first trade happened. Uh, Rajon Rondo, the Lakers point guard, was traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers as part of a three-team trade that also uh, in- involved the New York Knicks. Uh, Denzel Valentine sent to the Knicks. He's going to get waived and be a free agent. Like this was a trade for the for the uh, for the Knicks and the Lakers to save some money, and for the Clippers, or excuse me, and for the Cavaliers to get a backup point guard. But more than anything else. This is the beginning of trade season. It's here. It all, some group, some teams have to sort of um, get the gears moving in the transaction cycle. And like we all, you know, I, I have pointed to December 15th as trades can start to happen as the beginning of trade season, but it doesn't really happen until someone makes a trade. It typically happens into, into January and then later into January as we approach the February 10th trade deadline. But for me, this, this Rondo trade says like minor transactions are coming and a deal... Um, you know, I would regard Robert Covington as the Blazers Blazer most likely to be traded. I think it's that thing is is coming in the future. Like, it, and, and it could happen because of the Rondo trade, just sort of reading the tea leaves in the very near future. Like a, a Rocco trade could happen in the very near future. A Nurk trade could happen in the, the pretty near future. I think um, if I had to guess Rocco first, Nurk second. Um, that's, that's what I would guess. I think the Blazers are going to trade both those gentlemen before the February 10th trade deadline. They're both entering free agency. Um, it probably just makes more sense to do so. Rocco seems like a, just a straight stone cold lock to be on another team. Nurk, um, maybe not stone cold lock, but what's the other Simpsons one shoe in he's the shoe in of the week um to be traded like I think both of those guys are very likely to not be on the roster at the end of the year um I would I would put Rocco at like 95 percent and Nurk at 87 percent also very high um but I think the Rondo trade the Lakers trading Rondo like this the transaction season is here like NBA teams are it's happening and I think um I think those trades could happen very soon and their return to the lineup is sort of the signal to me that it could happen they're not going to get traded if they're in health and safety protocols back on the court available to play um posting up a bunch in the fourth quarter uh like those dudes could those those to me they'll sort of their return and the Rondo trade says it could happen <laughs> keep your keep your uh, notifications on for these sort of large news brokers news breakers of the world because those trades could could definitely happen um some other sort of big picture stuff cj mccollum not back yet um and there's no update on him uh he's you know he, he had a collapsed lung we're looking at almost you know th- more than three weeks he was supposed to reevaluate it last week we haven't heard a word um my assumption, and I'm not reporting this, this is like a guess based on, this is a best guess, an educated guess, is that his wife is due any day now with their first child, and I would assume that the Blazers are not going to bring C.J. McCollum back until that child comes into the world. Um, that's that's just a 
that's just an educated guess based on how they've handled it. Because if he was going to, if he was available to come back sooner, they would have brought him back. But then if he's going to also leave again for the birth of his child and blah, 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 they're also going on this long road trip next week. So like, um, I, I think CJ is going to have a, have a child, welcome a child into the world. Um, and then his availability with the team and to come back will happen. Um, I'm not under the impression that the, um, the physical, the physical, stuff related to uh the collapsed lung is is the limiting factor like he's still ramping up and still doing those things um the Blazers don't really practice so it's not like he's getting back on the practice court but he's like from what i understand doing more stuff um he's at the practice facility getting shots up i I had said earlier on this podcast and i misspoke i said that he was that uh spotted by the broadcast scene by the broadcasters, Kevin Calabro and Lamar Hurd, working out at the Motor Center, but a reporter at the Motor Center said they did not see that. That is not what happened. So I believe CJ's at the PF. He's at the practice facility getting shots up, working, you know, getting getting his body right. Um, but I don't think he'll be back um, until he has a kid. And I don't think if he... My guess, just the way it works, is that CJ won't be the first domino to fall. Like, Rocco's the guy they're going to trade first. Rocco, Nurk, CJ, probably in that order, although they could be combined in various various trades, obviously, to make it happen. Uh, but, I, like, I think trade season is here. I think we're now, you know, five weeks away from, as I said here, recording this on uh, late on uh, January 3rd. It's... Uh, it's here. Like it's going to happen. We're, we're going to see the sort of the, the trade momentum has started around the league and the Blazers are going to be involved in that trade momentum. So be on the lookout. Uh, the other thing is that Damon Lord is, did not play in this game. And I asked Chauncey Billups prior to tip off kind of what the larger plan was with Dame. Um, whether it was to, you know, whether he was going to be shut down for multiple games as he got back, you know, he previously, they had shut him down for, uh, like 10 days, right. He missed five games. Um, and then he got a cortisone shot and he came back and he looked a lot better. Um, and then he's, he kind of, he had a little dip again in his production. He did not look very good against the Lakers. Uh, that was Friday's game. And then he, and then he, uh, doesn't play in this game. Uh, and so the Blazers now still have four home games remaining as well. Importantly, the Brooklyn game that was postponed, uh, prior to Christmas has been moved to Monday. So now they play Sunday, Monday, back to back against the Kings and the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. So this is now a, this is now a five game homestand. It's supposed to be a four game homestand before a road heavy January. January is brutal for the Blazers. They basically play every other day, except for one day next week when they one stretch next week, when they have two days off. Sheesh. Um, it's a lot of basketball games between here and January 31st. Um, but so it's unclear, you know, Chauncey said he just didn't know, like he didn't know if Dame was going to come back. He didn't know if, um, you know, he said he'd probably know more tomorrow, whether this was a multi-game thing or an extended thing or like whatever, but it was like, you know, get, get Dame back in the practice facility tomorrow, talk to him, talk to the doctors, talk to the plan. Um, he, he didn't know. I, here's, here's what I, I have two thoughts about that. One. I bet Chauncey. I bet Chauncey knows, and he just didn't want to tell me. Um, two, um, the if this is the way it's going with Dame, is that he's he's able to play, and then he needs some time off. I think the writing's on the wall that just eventually this year he gets abdominal surgery. Like it's it just has to be. Um, you know, the team's not very good. Like this game was really fun, um, but the Blazers are fourteen and twenty-two. Like. Y'all know, y'all. You listen to Lockdown Blazers. If you did, if this is your first episode, um, the Blazers are not. They're just not a very good basketball team. I, thank you for listening, and please come back. It's five days a week available wherever you get podcasts. But like, 
um, you know, it, you're familiar with the team. I'm going to imagine they're not very good. Um, this game was fun against, you know, a, a Hawks team that's scuffling in their own right. They're 16 and 20 after this loss. Um, but like the long-term, you know, the larger outlook on this, despite like, you know, Ant and Nas playing well in this game is like nothing really changes. They still need to make these trades, still need to trade Rocco and Nurk. They probably still need to trade CJ McCollum. If not now, then around draft time. Um, and like, they're probably barring something pretty impressive and a, a turnaround. Like they're, they're just not like a, play, a a team that's going to like avoid the play in tournament and, or even have a guaranteed playoff seed. They're going to like, you know, they could get right and push for eighth. Um, and, but like, at, I, if Dame is going to ha- need time off every couple weeks, I think we're just trending towards him eventually getting abdominal surgery. I'm sure he doesn't want to do that. I know Dame well enough to think like, he wants to play all of the basketball games. He's deeply, deeply optimistic and deeply competitive. He believes they can still get right. I know that's in his bones. Um, but it's also like if if he's just not physically there, the most sort of prudent move might be to shut him down and to 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 get this get like see if there's a surgical option that can fix this ab injury that has now lingered since at least July and has really slowed him down. He's just not himself this year. Um like the terms that Chauncey used before the game was like, they want to see him being Dame again. Um, and we just haven't seen it for long stretches. You know, there's a brief period last week where I was yelling Dame back. Um, and then he kind of slowed down a little bit. And then now he's, you know, that was three good games, one bad game. And then that one bad game followed by, um, you know, them not playing him, right? Like them, them intentionally holding him out to like get his body right. I kind of think we know the direction this is headed. I think it's more about when. Um, I guess there's still an if. Like, you know, if they get if they make some trades or if they just get hot, maybe Dame toughs it out and um, kind of tries to get them into the postseason. But um, it, if he's taking days off now in January after having already taken those two weeks off, I think it's just kind of inevitable. Like, again, this is not, not me reporting things. I'll tell you when I'm reporting something. This is just me. I'm... I'm doing what I do best here, which is like, I spend a lot of time around the team. Um, this is an educated guess. I, I, f- I feel like I'm probably right about this, um, but I don't have it on any authority. I don't have it at all. I'm just, it's, um, this is my gut. And my gut says that we are headed for Dame eventually having surgery and that this him sitting out um, is kind of, the, we're just like another big bright neon arrow pointing at the sign that says like eventually they shut it down and it's just like when do they do it do they wait for you know do they wait for the all-star game and the trade deadline or does or is this the beginning of a you know six seven day stretch where he decides to have um decides to take that um take that step but obviously we'll know wednesday's game whether dame's available and we'll i'll ask chauncey the same question again what the plan is um We'll get an update. This is why we do a daily podcast so we can so we can learn more. Uh, I think that's your big picture stuff on the Blazers. Uh, Rocco and Nurk likely to be traded, and it could happen any minute based on what's happened around the league. Shout out to Rajon Rondo, uh, playoff Rondo heading to Cleveland. Very likely a playoff team that will be here later this week with uh, Rajon Rondo in tow. Um, I think the larger sort of the larger picture stuff hasn't changed. This team is still um, in need of an overhaul and kind of mediocre, but don't let that distract you from a legitimately fun win on Monday night. Um, A really, a really 
like a fun game. They played a fun game. I, I've been waiting for them to have a little bit of fun. I thought Monday's game was fun. Um, good for them. It, I, but I have to be myself and like keep it in the real. And the, the real is like that they're, eh, it doesn't really change too, too, too much. Um, we got more shows coming this week. This is Tuesday show. It will be in your feed January 4th. That means Wednesday morning show will be a mailbag. I'll record it on Tuesday evening and it'll be on, it'll be in your feed on Wednesday. If you want to get involved in that, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com is the email address, or you can tweet at me at Mike G. Rich, or just check my Twitter feed tomorrow, um, or Tuesday, January 4th, depending on when you're listening to this, and I will send out a tweet soliciting questions, um, and you will, you respond to that tweet. I'll do my best to get you in the show. Um, trying to get some interviews later this week, um, non-Jason Quick interviews, and we'll still have Jason later this week. So it's going to be a ton of fun. Five days a week available where you ever get, wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Tell your friends. Tell them to tell them to search for Lockdown Blazers and you'll find us wherever you're looking. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.